We all say that we want to know what other people think about the things that we're doing, working on, or striving for. But do we really? And how do we respond when people give us constructive criticism? And then there's the haters. And how do we respond to them when there's nothing constructive about what they're saying? They just want to get under our skin. That's what we're diving into today. Hi, everyone. My name's Heather Gray, and welcome to Business Mindset Mastery. I'm a mindset and performance coach over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today we're talking about feedback, how we receive it, how we respond to it, and how we choose to change with it. This example that came up just happened yesterday for me, and that's why I love this show being like on a daily basis, because I do believe that mindset when done right is practiced daily. So hopefully I'm modeling that for you in action. Now, yesterday I got a message from a colleague about my show, and he was saying to me that I overcompensate and over-apologize for being imperfect. And it was such a well-meaning and well-thought-out um, sort of point of view that he gave me that I really was struck by it. And I realized that it had been so long since someone just like literally had my back um, and told me what they really thought in a way that was meant to help me rise and to help me get better and was truly well-intentioned. I think sometimes us online entrepreneurs, we get so lost in that online space of the noise of people having opinions that like we tend to get a little bit walled up against anybody having an opinion that might threaten what we're doing or go against the grain a little bit. But that's not the foundation of my professional career. When I was training professionally, I was observed by a supervisor every single day of my career. Not every single day, sorry about that. Every single week of my career for 10 years that I was with an agency. Someone would come in at every step of the ladder that I was at from like newbie just starting out to when I was a program uh, director and somebody would come in and interact and observe an interaction that I had had for 20 minutes. And then afterwards we would talk about it. So if I was talking to a student I was working with, if I was talking to a parent or a staff member, or if I was running a meeting, regardless of where I was on the career scale, there was someone watching what I was doing and offering me feedback, telling me what I did well and what I could do better. And then when I left that job and I moved into private practice, I found it entirely isolating because there's nobody telling you how you're doing or what you could be doing better. And then moving to the online space, that isolation only increased a little bit. Now, I want you to think about the last time you really asked for someone's opinion because I ask a lot and I'm lucky to have biz besties who like call it out and tell it like it is. But a lot of times my experience when we ask for feedback is we're actually just asking somebody to say we did a good job. We're nervous about what we're putting out there. We're worried about how it's going to be perceived. And we're just trying to get a second set of eyes on it. And we don't really want to hear that there's something we can do better. Sometimes people will offer us opinions at times that we haven't asked for us, ha, ha, where we haven't asked for it, and it feels kind of threatening to us, or it feels um, questionable in some way because we weren't asking for someone's opinion, so why are they giving it to us? It's a really muddied issue, and I think that if you get really clear on who you want to be in response to people having an opinion about what you do, it's so much much easier to move through the world. Now, when I got this feedback yesterday, like, honestly, I was just grateful. It 
I all I remember thinking is just pure gratitude that someone said, hey, you may be taking a left turn here and I really think you should go right or actually you kind of have to straighten it up a bit because you're getting off course. I really knew and believed that my best interests were at heart. What happens, though, when we're not quite sure of good intention, when we're not sure which opinion we should be listening to? Because, after all, it can be quite a noisy space. Stay tuned. We're talking about that next. Now, my interaction yesterday around the comments made about my show, it was like pitch perfect feedback delivery and reception, right? Like someone said, hey, can I tell you what I think? I said yes, and I received the opinion, and I was feeling gratitude in response to it. But feedback isn't always that clean. And the first thing that you want to be clear about is who are you willing to receive feedback from? Now, I tend to be really open in who I want opinions from. Anybody listening to this show. If you're well-intentioned about the integrity of the show and you want a, vet, a better listening experience, like, yes, like Heather at choosetohaveitall.com, send me an email and let me know what you think. Tell me how I can do this better, and I really want to know. Sometimes, though, people offer opinions for reasons that aren't as honorable. Sometimes they're to make you smaller because they feel threatened about the things that you're doing or saying, or sometimes there's just simply too many cooks in the kitchen, too many opinions to listen to, and it's really hard to know who to listen to. So what I like to do when I'm kind of teaching this skill to my clients is for them to get really clear on who they're willing to hear feedback from. Who's the source? Are you interested in feedback from your general audience? Do you only want feedback from people who are superiors, who have been in the game longer than you, or who were mentors? How do you feel about the opinions of friends and family who may not understand the nuts and bolts of what you do and how you do it? Whose opinion do you really respect? Whose opinion really matters to you? And then you tune everyone out. It's the idea that you choose who you want to listen to. You get to pick whose point of view matters. And like the smaller you make that group, the more you're risking. Like the natural consequence of that choice is you're missing a wider perspective. You're not casting as wide of a net, so you're not going to get as wide of a varied response. And you may be isolating people and you may not be learning as much as you could. But when you're intentional about who your people are, whose opinions you respect, when someone comes up and they're not on that list, it's way easier to tune them out. Now, what happens when someone offers an opinion and they're not on their list? How do you respond? What I try to do is teach people that and I'm totally stealing this from a friend of mine in 2013. And Ashley, if you're listening, you should copyright this. My friend Ashley had her New Year's resolution and it was, I'm not going to change who I am or how I move through the world based on how other people treat me. 
Now, I have stolen that completely. I've used it as a mantra in my personal life. I've used it as a guidepost when I'm looking at how I want to run my business and how I want to show up in my personal brand. It's been a guiding force in my life for the past several years. But it is a really good question when thinking about how we respond to criticism. The first thing is, is are you willing to ask for feedback? Are you willing to open the door and invite the conversation in? And then when you're specific about it, you can get more of a response that you're looking for and you can get your particular concern addressed. So for example, when I started the show, one of my genuine questions about it was, do you prefer the simple, quick five-minute episodes or do you like the longer ones? And I asked several people and a lot of people said there was value in both, but I to only talk as long as I needed to talk was the, the general message and the general feedback. And for somebody who's as verbose as I am, that's really good feedback to hear. But to get really clear on where you're struggling or what you're unsure of, or if you just want someone's general general impression, or you just want to know what they're taking away, say that and just tell them specifically what you're looking to find out. Because if you're starting the conversation and you know in your like honest intention that you're not just looking for the you know obligatory pat on the back and the good job, um, you might get really valuable information that will help you do things better. Next, you want to think about how you receive the information that people have to share. Sometimes people start small. They give you a little nibble of their thoughts or what they're thinking because they want to see what you do with it. And if you don't engage in the conversation, if you don't ask a follow-up question, if you don't seem receptive to the thought or the idea, you may not get everything that that person thinks or feels. You may not have as wide of a learning opportunity as you could be allowed if you simply engaged more in the conversation. The next thing you want to think about is that sometimes people really do not have your best interests at heart. They're not looking to you to help you raise your game. They're not trying to get you to the next step on the ladder. They want to belittle you and undermine you. In the online space, we call these people haters. And the strangest thing happens in the online entrepreneurial community, and I'm not really a fan of it, if I'm going to be completely transparent and honest. People like copy and paste the hater comments that they get, and they post them in their like public groups or their forums or their Facebook pages, and they say, oh, I must be doing something right now. I got my first hater. Whoop, whoop. And suddenly, like, they're giving all of this oxygen, time, and attention to the mean, critical, nonsensical comment that suddenly nobody on the internet said. And I don't really know how this online culture began. My guess is it was, you just own it, right? Like if nobody can call you a name if you call yourself that name first, and it's a way of getting the power back. Um, however, I think it's putting energy, time, um, and, and thought and oxygen in entirely the wrong direction. I ran a brick and mortar private practice for 10 years. I ran my own program for 10 years before that, and I had tons of hater comments and tons of opinions. And I never once was like, oh, wow, look at this, you know, jerk and look at what this person said or look at, you know, what I just heard somebody say about me. 
Why would I give that type of commentary my attention? Why would I give them the benefit of the doubt anything? It's about how do you hear the feedback and move on? Because when you're just doing a show and you're putting the comment out for an audience, are you really growing? Is it like changing your bottom line? Is it, you know, showing up in a more confident, powerful you? Um, I just don't think so, at least not for much longer than it takes to look and see how many likes, comments, and shares your original post or commentary got, right? But that, how do we respond to haters? And the first thing that I always ask, and people kind of disagree with me on this, so we can certainly open up a dialogue about it, but I usually say, is there a grain of truth in this? So before I just brush it off, is there actually something to learn? Now, if somebody's just going at me and, you know, sending me inappropriate content or whatever, like, no. But sometimes there, there's, there can be a grain of truth in the hater comment. And, and I, if there is, I'm going to want to take it, you know, at face value. I'm going to want to walk away with it. I'm going to want to use it to make myself bigger and better if there's an opportunity to do that. And then the next thing, I'm just going to do a gut check on how I feel about it. Because, you know, the reality is, is some hater comments really are going to get to us. They're going to gnaw at us and they're going to twist at us. And we're going to think about them for a while. I still remember, like, we're going back 20 years, guys, or no, 12 years. It was at the end of my career. So I like going back like 12 years, I was leaving a residential program that I had been running and I had been helping children and families. And I was starting a private practice. And someone said to me, Oh, you're really going to the dark side now, aren't you? Have you asked yourself who's going to help the children now? Like that's a comment that almost 15 years later, I still think about this idea that suddenly like I had like I solely was responsible for the emotionally and behaviorally traumatized children that I had, you know, been working with up until that point and then forevermore. It was really absurd. But there was this fear behind the comment, like, am I giving up something I'm ultimately responsible for? Honestly, that comment stuck with me far longer than it should have, because just a couple of weeks ago, I had a podcast episode about why we're so afraid of ambition, and that comment that somebody said to me all those years ago came back into my head as I was doing that podcast episode, because going into private practice after after doing like public social work was seen and reflected on as the dark side, right? Like I had sold out somehow. I wasn't really helping people. So again, that comment came up when I moved to the online space, when people started telling me I was working with the quote, end quote, worried well population or something like that. And yeah, like those comments are going to niggle. But the only reason why that comment has lasted in my head for 15 years is I've given it permission to. There's a part of it that I've always kind of secretly worried is true. It was a thought that I had about myself before anybody said it. Like if I make a commitment to pri- if I make a commitment to public social work and to serving underprivileged youth, if I've spent all of this time gaining the expertise to be the best in the state for the most extremely traumatized adolescent teens, do I owe it to the community to show up? I had that thought and I had that feeling way before anybody ever mentioned it to me. 
And if you're receiving a hater comment and it's getting to you like that, my guess is that finger that you're pointing, you need to take and just turn around and point it back at you and ask yourself what this is triggering. And do you really believe this or is this something you just feel bad about? And what I ultimately walked away with, my elevator story about that moment and that feedback and why it still lingers for me, is that yes, I do somewhat feel still responsible for kids and families. I do feel like I walked away from a talent, something that I was good at, something where I could have made a larger, maybe quote unquote, more important difference um, in the world if I had lasted in that career. But the reality is that job did not allow me to have a life. It was 24-7, nonstop. When you're literally working to save kids' lives, it's really hard to turn that button off. And what I ultimately decided was that I was drawing a personal boundary over how much I was willing to give up my personal life for what it was that I did as my career and what I did professionally. I changed my values. And so yes, it's always gonna sting, but I own it. So now when that comment comes back and still lingers, I push it aside by reminding myself that I've chosen a different set of values and we get to do that. But if a hater comment is lingering for you and it's triggering some unresolved piece of garbage inside you, rather than giving the hater comment energy, rather than puffing up about it and exalting it to social media, look at it and see what kind of resolution you need to find for yourself. What piece do you need to come with or come to in order to truly move on from the comment? And then the next thing you want to think about is how much airtime are you really willing to sacrifice and give up to some ignorant hater? Is it really worth spending the time, the energy, the the thought on that? Like, is that really how you want to be spending your time? Because if you're just got your feelings hurt and it didn't trigger any kind of thought process, any place to dig deeper or to self-reflect, it's time to move on. And I want to give you the steps on how to do that next. So stay tuned. Sometimes a comment is simply going to get under our skin, even when we know it shouldn't, even when we know that someone's trying to pull us down in order to bring themselves up bigger and better, even when we know there's absolutely no point in paying attention to the conversation that somebody's trying to start with us, we give it time and energy. How, once it's grabbed us, do we get rid of it? The first thing that I like to do is to remind yourself and teach people to remind themselves of times when they've absolutely nailed it. To go back and sort of remind yourself of testimonials that you've earned with real good, genuine hard work with people who have known you and have interacted with you. To focus on building yourself up. 
not on putting the hater down. And I think that's the mistake people make when they celebrate the hater comments, when they try to get a lot of attention over having attracted somebody who's just trying to bring them down negatively, is they're giving the hater all of the energy that they would better like use on themselves. So what do you need to do to feel more confident, to show up more aggressively for what it is you want, to be unapologetic about who you are, what you do, and how you serve. You want to tune into your skill set. You want to remind yourself of what you're capable of. The other thing too is that, and I learned this from Chris Ducker, another online entrepreneur in the space, like you're, like you want your vibe to attract your tribe. So when somebody isn't aligned with what you say, isn't on board with the way you phrase things or put things out to the world in your content, like you want that because you're not physically capable of serving everybody. You want the people to kind of like go through that natural selection process and process themselves out a little bit. So you're not supposed to attract everyone. When you hear a hater comment or you see something or you hear a criticism, you can use it as a reminder that you're probably on the right path. You're doing something right because for any person who's repelled against you and isn't attracted to you or your content and moves away from it, you're opening up the door for somebody who needs to hear what you have to say and somebody who really could become a raving fan in your tribe. But that's part of the process. The next thing you want to think about is get really brutally honest with yourself here. Like hardcore reality testing, okay? Like think about the last time you went to a restaurant. Did you go and check a Yelp review? Did you ask other people what they thought? Or before you picked a hotel, did you go to TripAdvisor? Did you look to see like the ratings or the critical comments on the last movie you wanted to see? We are operating our lives based on the opinions of others. We all have opinions and judgments. Just yesterday, I was in a shop and I saw somebody wearing like a ridiculous set of shoes that she could barely walk in. And I just wanted to be like, oh, if you're going to go shopping, like wear some comfortable shoes. It doesn't have to be that miserable. I had an opinion. I didn't say it out loud because, you know, I'm a nice person. But let's like face it, right? And let's be honest about who we are and how we move through the world is we function on the opinions of others, good, bad, in the middle. It is a reality. Who we're going to be in response to that and how we're going to respond to it determines for us what we do next with it. But pretending to be completely offended and thrown off by someone else's opinion of us is simply unrealistic and a waste of your time. Lastly, let's just get real for a second, shall we? Like you and me, let's just finish up this conversation with some real talk. Criticism, feedback, haters, judgment, all of those simply are the cost of doing business. When we put ourselves out there, when we reach for the moon and we go big, we are opening ourselves up to feedback. I am a football fan and my Patriots just bombed the first game of the season after having the biggest Super Bowl comeback in history. And I can promise you, I had a lot of opinions about how they did not show up for that game. When you go big and you put yourself in front of an audience, you are opening yourself up 
to feedback. Like it or not, that is the reality. And the more you rail against it, the more you fight it, give it energy, spend time on it, the longer it will take you to get to where it is you really want to go. The natural consequence of doing business, of stepping outside your comfort zone, of daring greatly and going for it is people are going to be challenged about how they think and about how they move through the world. You are going to create discomfort as they look at themselves and the natural consequence that sometimes comes with that is people strike back when they don't like what they find. That is not your responsibility and it's not worth your time. The more energy you give to the haters, to the critical feedback, to the people who don't have your best interest in heart, the longer it's going to take you to get to where you're going because you're simply looking in the wrong direction. Know who your people are. Know whose opinions you need to rely on to move forward. Know who has your best interest in heart, who wants to help you be bigger, braver, and bolder. Seek them out. Be unafraid in asking for their opinion so that you can get better and you can crush your goals in less time. And everyone else, please just leave them in your rear view mirror. There you go. That's what I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed your, this conversation and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow.